As we prepare for Christmas during this Advent season, we're walking through a series called When Shalom Comes Home. And earlier in the fall, we really challenged you to bring the peace of God into relationships and situations around you. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And last week, Pastor John launched us in this little mini-series talking about shalom in the city, bringing shalom in the city. And he actually, we showed you a video of several of our volunteers who every Monday night are here assisting those that are going through uh, dealing with hurts, habits, or hang-ups, and how uh, the, the Monday night uh, recovery uh, ministry just has such implications across the entire community of Twin Falls. Today we're going to be coming a little closer to home and literally talking about when shalom comes home, as in my house and yours. And for many years here, the Pregnancy Crisis Center, now called Stanton Healthcare, has done exactly that. They've assisted young women and, and households as they deal with some of the great issues, issues and ultimate questions about pregnancy and life. And so uh, we've had a number of you that for many years have served in that capacity, volunteered. In a way, you're, you've, you're peacemakers. Uh, you've brought shalom to many homes. We wanted you to just gain a little perspective out of this video of that. Watch this. One of the big things that Stanton does is provides all of their services free uh, to their clients. And then depending on how far along they're in the pregnancy and if they're uh, abortion-minded, then they get a free ultrasound as well done by trained uh, medical staff. And a high percentage of them, when they see that heartbeat or the little fingers, they choose life. Stanton really cares about their clients and wants them to succeed and be a, a good resource for them if they're not just emotionally struggling, which a lot of them are, but also financially too, to give them options to be able to get those things that they need, such as the diapers or the formula. And, clothes that they otherwise can't afford or have them work towards um, a crib that they can't afford. A lot of uh, women who come to Stanton for a free pregnancy test, they're scared. And so when they walk in, the client advocates really are there to bring a sense of peace to their life, that they're not there to judge them that they want the absolute best for them. And so they will present all of a woman's options. And they're there for that woman's entire pregnancy. We have pregnancy classes that teach them how to take care of themselves and be healthy. If they have decided to parent, then they're there for you know, the pregnancy classes, <clears throat> parenting classes, uh, really there every, every step of the way. They have had quite a few people who have had abortions and then come back to them and needing counseling and they will do that or even it can be that they were pregnant and they were excited and they lost the baby. There is counseling for any and all stages of, of that process. They are really wanting to be the hands and feet of Jesus at Stanton and care about each individual that comes in that door. There's prayer coverage for all of the clients that come and to really guide them to make the best 
healthiest choices for themselves and for uh, their families. Again, I want to encourage you. Uh, there are so many different avenues for peacemaking today, both in personal ways, situationally, organizationally, and really prayerfully consider where God has called you, where God has placed you, where you already are, that you can make an impact on people that find themselves in the midst of some chaos. We're going to talk about shalom in our homes today, and uh, there's a passage from Isaiah 32. Isaiah, by the way, uh, wrote these words 700 years before Jesus walked the earth, and what you're going to hear in the first few verses, he really jumps on uh, some of the behaviors and attitudes of the women. So ladies, don't take this too personally. He has things to say about men as well. But it's an interesting statement that he's about to make to the gals and the larger culture of Israel 700 years before Jesus lived. The passage is out of Isaiah 32, 9 to 18, and Elizabeth Jones is going to be reading. And what we ask you to do, if you're able, is please stand and face the middle of the room, because this is a, a, an important moment for us. We believe Scripture is central to who we are as a congregation. I pray it's central to your lives. Isaiah 32, 9 to 18. You women who are so complacent, rise up and listen to me. You daughters who feel secure, hear what I have to say. In little more than a year, you who feel secure will tremble. The grape harvest will fail, and the harvest of fruit will not come. Tremble, you complacent women. Shudder, you daughters who feel secure. Strip off your fine clothes and wrap yourselves in rags. Beat your breasts for the pleasant fields, for the fruitful vines, and for the land of my people, a land overgrown with thorns and briars. Yes. Mourn for all houses of merriment and for this city of revelry. The fortress will be abandoned, the noisy city deserted. Citadel and watchtower will become a wasteland forever, the delight of donkeys, a pasture for flocks. Till the spirit is poured out on us from on high, and the desert becomes a fertile field, and the fertile field seems like a forest. The Lord's justice will dwell in the desert, his righteousness live in the fertile field. The fruit of that righteousness will be peace. Its effect will be quietness and confidence forever. My people will live in peaceful dwelling places, in secure homes, in undisturbed places of rest. Thanks so much, Elizabeth. You can have a seat. The study in contrast is between the shalom of God and the chaos of the world. And where we want to begin looking through the eyes of Isaiah is that this need for shalom is due to the timelessness of chaos. Since the first couple chapters of the book of Genesis, for, since the first moments of creation, when sin entered the world, we've been dealing with this chaotic re consequence. And this passage is 2,700 years old, give or take, yet reflects the inevitability of chaos. And I would quickly add today that some of you may be experiencing a little bit of chaos as we speak, or a lot. Some of you may be living large and having a great time, and this season is everything you've wanted it to be, but maybe you've walked through a season already of that kind of chaos. And if you haven't, uh, chaos, you never know, maybe, maybe around the corner. So it, there's a timelessness to it. And I want just to scroll down these factors that were evident in the time of Isaiah, that Isaiah was speaking to specifically. 
First, in, in Isaiah's time, the chaos factor was a false sense of security. At one level, life was good. There was a, a good cash flow. The crops, perhaps, were going well. Everything looked good, and yet beneath the service, the culture and morality was at a boil. There was the threat of the Assyrians from the north. If you know anything about the history of Assyria, the most brutal empire in, in all the history of the, the periods of time in Scripture and they were going to come from the north, bringing an occupying force. They were the 7th century B.C. version of Al-Qaeda and ISIS, and maybe then some. There was an imminent collapse of the economy, and as the Assyrians would come and devastate the land, the economy would crash. It would be disrupted, if not destroyed. Self-indulgence was celebrated, and the more self-indulgent one was, the more it was celebrated. They lived with a flexible morality, the morality which stated, whatever works for me is moral. It was a morality of convenience. Whatever anyone said, it was a morality by whatever. And ultimately, God was about to pronounce and already had judgment against Israel. Chaos was alive and well 2,700 years ago and also has a way of reinventing itself not only culturally, not only at work, but personally as well. We just went through an election cycle. Anybody remember that? Would, would you like me to talk about it for 15 minutes? You ready for that? You know, I know the quickest way to put you to sleep today is use the word politics, but I've got one more really chaotic story to tell. From Oceanside, California, where the city treasurer, Gary Ernst, was reelected last month, despite the fact that he died in September. <laughs> How does this happen? And there's all sorts of political humor within this I'll try to avoid, okay? Ernst was still on the ballot due to a local election code that says since he died less than 68 days before the election, his name remained on the ballot. And a prominent city councilman urged voters to elect Ernst rather than another challenger named Nadine Scott. And then he promised to appoint a replacement for Ernst. Now, you can only imagine what Ms. Scott was thinking post-election. Rather upset, I would guess, at losing to a dead candidate. And so now Ms. Scott has filed a complaint for the California Fair Political Practices Commission saying the city has improperly helped her opponent's campaign. If that's not chaos, a dead man being voted into office, I'm not sure what is. And let me tell you, not much chaos surprises us anymore. We live in a chaotic culture. But each one of us struggles and confronts chaos one way or another. And what I really want this to be today is, I don't want you to leave here, you know, even more depressed than when you came in, but I want you to just reflect for a little while uh, on life for you. If, again, if life is good, just spend some time praising God today. But this season tends to bring out a lot of the struggles, uh, brings to bear a lot of the pressures um, and, and in particular, we're going to go home today, talk about our households, our relationships at home. Um, things like uh, divorce, uh, marital conflict that seems to escalate, 
there are some of us that aren't really on good terms with other immediate or extended family members. There's going to be some awkward reunions over the holidays, if reunions at all. And in some ways, chaos seems to reign. You know, Friday, and this is just silly chaos, uh, the sewer backed up and we had water in the basement. And it's, it's one of the things you get with a 100-year-old handy fixer-upper that we live in. And so, you know, no big deal in the scope of the universe, right? But you know how it is. A little bit of chaos. And then it was a few years ago, we've got a phone call from our oldest daughter, Nicole. And she let us know she was diagnosed with cancer. And as every one of you do, I remember the very moment, the very spot, and exactly what we were doing when we got that phone call. And suddenly the world looks different. And suddenly you become a, an expert on a new topic. And we're grateful to say she's been cancer-free for years. But immediately, we find ourselves in chaos. And are just struggling to try to find out which way is up. When shalom comes home, it can have potentially amazing impact. Because when chaos hits home, there's nothing more devastating. If you're experiencing any form of that chaos today, understand the words of Isaiah. Take to heart the words of Isaiah. God is on the move and help is on the way. The first verse of Isaiah 32, before Isaiah gets to his anti-woman speech, Isaiah 32, one proclaims, there will be a king, there will be a king who reigns in righteousness. And one day, King Hezekiah would be specifically that king. But the, the brilliance of pro the prophets, and if you've ever studied the prophets, the prophecies are fulfilled like in a mountain range and succeeding mountaintops. And what Isaiah 32 also points forward to, 700 years ahead of that moment, is that there would come another king. And this king would not be a military, a militaristic or a political king. This would be the king of kings and the lord of lords. And when this king came, he would usher in a time of shalom, not perhaps as the common expectations would have been, but nonetheless a powerful moment in history. There would be a new day. And perhaps the message of shalom for you in the midst of your chaos is there will be a new day and the shalom and the peace of God overcomes the chaos of the world. It doesn't necessarily eliminate it or remove us from the chaos. That would be a perfect world. But oftentimes, his shalom allows us to survive the chaos. Now, Isaiah, halfway through the passage we read today, offers the source of shalom, which is the spirit of God. In New Testament terms, our understanding of who Jesus was in the, the advent of the Holy Spirit, the, the spirit of God, which we understand as the Holy Spirit, is poured out and offers life. Here's verse 15 again. All the spirit is poured on us from on high, and the desert becomes a fertile field. The fertile field seems like a forest. Imagine next spring. We won't go too quickly here. Imagine next spring, north of the Snake River Canyon, that there is a, a, a rainfall of such epic proportions, no flood, no flood, but it turns the desert green and lush and 
all of a sudden your land value goes up by tenfold. That may be a little bit of a digression, but you understand what, what happens. The desert becomes fertile. The fertile field becomes a forest. And the Spirit of God, the Old Testament explanation of God's presence, uniquely and personally offers to the people of God this gift of shalom that will empower, equip, and counsel them. And if you look at verse 15, how much Spirit is poured out upon the people, there's this lavishness. It's not a thimble full, it's not a gallon bucket full, but the Spirit of God, life, pours out upon his people in such a way that their life is renewed over and over again. I tried to think of an image of the Spirit being poured out and sticking. There, there's an interesting word in Hebrew, it's shanan. It, it means when, when, when an idea sticks, when, when it, it's not forgotten. It's like Velcro, shanan, Velcro. When the, pour, the Spirit is poured out, it sticks like Velcro. And this was the image that I was reminded of, this picture. <laughs> Granted, it's a weak analogy. But two summers ago, at the conclusion of VBS, and it's a long story, but the pastors got a bucket of green slime poured over our heads as a reward for being godly and servant-hearted. And I have never had stuff on my body. It was a big bucket full, which by the way, some poured with great fervor and joy. We couldn't get that stuff off for a week. It was pathetic. So again, it's a weak analogy, but see the Holy Spirit not pouring green slime over you. That's, that's not, but understand, when the Spirit pours life into your life, it's tough to get away from. It, you'll never forget it. It can be transformational. And whatever chaos that you're experiencing, something will happen because of the presence in New Testament terms, the same spirit is poured out on individuals and gatherings of people. And what we understand where two or three people are gathered, we know that the spirit is gathered there as well. So the spirit is even in our midst. And for people who believe and follow Jesus, they have, there's an anticipation of the outpouring of the spirit that really began anew at Pentecost and accompanies the presence of Jesus. So a personal relationship with Jesus offers us the peace, the shalom of God through his spirit, through the presence of Christ. It's one of the fruit of the spirit. And it's important to understand that for followers of Jesus, God doesn't just clear the path so everything is fine, it's hunky-dory. No, stuff still happens to people like us and routinely does. We routinely get the email, the voicemail, the prayer chain where someone else now is battling terminal illness. Someone else now is battling grief, family dysfunction. Yet the reality of who we are as believers and followers of Jesus is there is this pouring out of the spirit that allows us to walk through the chaos step-by-step step with a sense of shalom. And what this shalom does in the presence of Jesus, in the presence of the Spirit, is he slowly, almost imperceptibly, recreates each person who obeys, who trusts, and offers us a new thing. 
a new life. That's what the Spirit of God does. The impact of God's righteousness, this last point, the impact of God's righteousness is a very personal shalom. I just stumbled on an old Charlie Brown cartoon this past week where Lucy is talking to Charlie Brown. And Lucy, if you know the relationship, some of you do, some of you don't. Lucy says, I hate everything. I hate everybody. I hate the whole wide world. And Charlie Brown says, but I thought you had inner peace. To which Lucy replied, I do have inner peace, but I still have outer obnoxiousness. (laughs) And I would argue her point. If she had inner peace, I'm not sure how manifest the obnoxiousness would be. You can debate that. But the impact of God's righteousness is a very, very personal thing. We can talk world peace, global peace, foreign policy tomorrow. But what we're doing is finding that shalom comes home. And it resides within me and you personally and within my household. Now, shalom is, this, is a multiplicity of words. It's a, a multifaceted term. It doesn't just say shalom equals peace. We've talked about this before, but just for review. Shalom can be defined as peace, wholeness, rest, tranquility, prosperity, safety, harmony, and more. Would you like some peace today? Some shalom? I mean, really? When the Spirit is poured out, when God's righteousness influences due to the presence of Jesus, this is what happens according to Isaiah 32, verse 17. The fruit of that righteousness will be peace. And get this, its effect will be quietness and confidence forever. My people will live, and here we get specifically to the shalom at home. My people will live in peaceful dwelling places, in secure homes, in undisturbed places of rest. Let me just repeat that last line. My people will live in peaceful dwelling places, in secure homes, in undisturbed places of rest. Now, it's not a permanent nap we're talking about, but how many of us would pay big money for that set of qualities? See, the evidence of shalom, according to the prophet Isaiah, is first of all quietness. And it doesn't mean we become introverts or are forced to a divinely inspired timeout or anything like that, but we experience, we experience in the quietness of God's shalom a tranquility, a stability in the midst of the chaos. We experience confidence in spite of the uncertainty, and I would argue that there isn't much chaos that doesn't come with an uncertain future. The evidence of shalom is the, the presence of confidence in whatever the future may hold. And the evidence of shalom is a secure home. It's not, again, relying on an electronic security system of any kind, but shalom creates a safe place, emotionally, relationally, situationally. And then it, more evidence of it is it's an undisturbed place of rest. And I ask myself, does that describe my home? Do those four evidences of shalom, is, is that where I live? 
Is that where you live? Because that's the gift. The gift of God through Christ, through the presence of the Holy Spirit. And what I recognize is more and more people, more and more households seem to struggle these days with dysfunctional relationships, with growing tide of depression and and emotional upheaval. You, You know it, I know it, we observe it, we experience it. And if ever there was a culture, if ever there was a community, if ever there was a congregation that was in a desperate need of this divine outpouring of shalom, what about us? Why not us? I love how people pursue peace. And a story of a guy from Berlin, Germany. This guy took an unusual approach to trying to bring peace to his household, specifically to his marriage. CNN reported on this guy. What he did was he used an old air raid siren to stun his wife into submission. Now, I'm not advocating for it, but I find this was very effective in this situation. He said, my wife never lets me get in a word edgewise. So I crank up the siren and let it rip for a few minutes. It works every time. And he said, afterward, she's quiet again. Again, this is not a ringing endorsement. It's a 220-volt rooftop siren, which eventually, you won't believe this, the police confiscated because of the neighbor's complaints. (laughs) You laugh at the 73-year-old German. What have you done? What lengths have you gone to to try to just capture some form of peace when things seem to be unraveling? It's amazing. What I love about the good news of the gospel during this season of the year, and it's a verse out of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, if you're taking notes, where Paul says, Jesus himself is our peace. See, shalom for us is wrapped in a person, unbelievably, supernaturally, mystically. And the source of our peace is a person. And so when a household is committed to Jesus, if one of those parents, if one of the two parents is committed to Jesus in a household, hopefully both, But the Spirit is poured out upon that household, and there's a stability, an assurance, a confidence. That home becomes a secure place, an undisturbed place of rest in varying degrees over time. I'm not naive to the concept, okay? This is a journey. We stay in step with the Spirit. And a home focused on Jesus, stepping with the Spirit, will become the place where shalom may not change your pace of living, but assist you through whatever pace of living you find yourself. It begins to shape our response to the forms of chaos that disable, distract, and derail us, which these days are frequent and relentless. And when shalom comes home, it begins to shape the response to priorities and relationships, those issues of emotional health. Again, many times doesn't remove the chaos, but reshapes our response to the chaos. And when shalom comes home, family members prioritize things like honesty, authenticity. Someone more quickly takes initiative to resolve conflict. Someone says, you go first. 
It's your choice, not mine. When Shalom comes home, we become aware of the chaos of other households around us, and we pray for their chaos, if not inviting them into a more peaceful environment. And Shalom says, my serving you supersedes my right to demand from you. See, shalom is manifest in a variety of ways, as is this peacemaker thing. But what I love about the Bible, it is relentless and redundant in telling us about the implications of peace from Old to New Testament. And if you memorize verses and have never heard or memorized this one, try this on for size. Paul says in Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I'm not even sure we get it. I'm not even sure we're supposed to. I know there's a lot of triple-digit IQs in the room. A lot of you are sophisticated intellectually, spiritually. You've read through the Bible. You've memorized the whole Bible. I'm not even sure we get this because it transcends a lot of our understanding. Somehow, in our relationship with Jesus, and the outpouring of the Spirit, he brings us peace. It's a designer type because it impacts every one of us exactly where it's meant to impact us. When shalom comes home, you'll know it. You'll know it. Pastor John asked a few questions last week. I'd just like to adapt to this week's wrap-up. And the first question is this, and again, this is not a quiz. You have to raise your, this is between you and God today. The first question is simply this, am I bringing the peace, the shalom of Christ into my home? How am I doing? The second question is a little bit invasive, perhaps but important. It's simply, where do I see chaos in my family? I'm assuming all of your families are perfect, like ours is perfect. It may be subtle. It may, you, may be monumental. There may be fractures in your family that haven't been healed for years. The question is, is there chaos there somewhere? And then the tough question, number three, is what is God calling me to do about it? I hate those kind of questions. Sometimes uh, we talk too much. I'm not going to ask for an amen, but you know I know that you know. Um, and then there are those moments, I think, that we need to just quiet ourselves in a shalom mode and just have a conversation with the God who offers us this amazing gift. And so we're just gonna close with prayer today and, and I'll do my traditional thing in a minute. You anticipate that. But what if God really showed up today? And whatever your pain, whatever your concern, whatever your dysfunction, whatever that we anticipate an outpouring of the Spirit 
through the presence of Christ. And some of us may leave just feeling a little differently. Some of us may leave today with a little different mission. But what if we pray for the shalom of God to be poured out in this place in the next few moments? Would you pray with me? Father, forgive us for being more ready to cope with the chaos than seek the peace that passes understanding. And Lord, this is something that goes beyond intellect and goes beyond knowledge of a text or two. This is something that transcends human understanding. And so, God, we don't even understand it completely. But we desperately ask for it. Father, send us your shalom in a way that allows us, if not to thrive, at least to survive the chaos in our lives. And Lord, even now, as that spirit is being poured out, I would pray too, if life is good and we're living large, God, someone else's chaos is just around the corner, literally or figuratively. Lord, just impress upon our hearts the need for us to be peacemakers. In a delicate, humble, Christ-honoring way, may we go after the chaos that we seem to bump up against every day of the week. Father, we praise you for being a God of peace. That's what this season, at least in part, is all about. And so, Lord, as we receive the reality of Jesus and we celebrate the presence of Jesus, we ask for the outpouring of your shalom on each and every one of us that comes to you and requests it. In his name we pray, amen.